Any bits of business before we continue? No, I don't think so. Nothing nothing happened to you of late or no anecdotes or I mean the only thing I've got is that I was called at three this morning by my mum, because uh, they're in Australia right now. Oh my yeah. Oh mate. And she's forgotten about international time zones. Or she doesn't care. I, I hope it's that she doesn't care. I'm pretty sure it's she doesn't care. But it was worth it because they were going around a wildlife park and there were kind of birds there, like a, a lorikeet, incredibly colourful That's the of still a blackbird. Dude, do you I I could let you I could let you get away with that if that was your only silver black slash blind date reference on this podcast, but it isn't. Isn't it? No. You've mentioned blind date before. Have I? Yes. In what context? I don't know. But you did. You definitely did. No, I liked it because it worked on two levels. There was a Laura Keat, which is like a Laura yeah. Laura. Yeah. And also still a blackbird, like a blackbird. Yeah, brilliant stuff, man. I mean, I just, you know, I would love to yes and that, but A, I have nowhere to go with it. B, I don't want to. <laughs> like, so don't draw any more attention to it. Are you going to bark all day? This is a tasty burger. I am just a figment of your imagination. Here's Johnny. You are a sad, strange little man. He's going to do Don't fail me again. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Popcorn Bucket Podcast with Ben and Rob. This is a regular look at the wonderful world of films, film franchises and film nonsense. This week is a franchise fatigue episode in which we is take it? a franchise and look at the high points, the low points and everything in between to sort the perfect plus of popcorn from the sound style bits at the bottom of the bucket. This week we once again return to the wizarding world as we look at Harry Potter 5 and 6. We've still got two more episodes to go, so I don't know where you're going to go with the once again thing. We once again, once again return. Thanks. Yeah, we twice again. We thrice again. Note that down. Those are our intros. Probably not. Okay, be like that. So. God, you're tetchy. You keep saying that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't get you any less tetchy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right. So, Order of the Phoenix. Yes. <laughs> so natural. <laughs> yes, we are doing Order of the Phoenix. Thank you, Ben. There's a point in the week where I was talking about uh, sort of editing, and and someone was saying that they think it's a really obvious edit in one of the episodes where I just go yes to something you said, and it's like that's not how you'd respond. It's like it might be. <laughs> it might very well be. Yes. <laughs> I, well, as I said, I, I do sometimes need some stock phrases from you that I could just pepper in throughout the whole thing if I feel you're not paying attention or whatever. So I, I, I often wonder that, if, like, if you're talking too much and, and too long, I should probably just sort of like cut myself going, yeah, oh, wow. oh yeah, yeah, hmm, uh-huh, interesting. I thought you said you'd never fake it with me. <laughs> I, f- I feel so used. The rebellion begins. Lord Voldemort is back. But the Ministry of Magic tries to keep a lid on the truth including appointing a new, power-hungry Defence Against the Dark Arts Professor at Hogwarts. Ron and Hermione convince Harry to secretly train students for the Wizarding War ahead. A terrifying showdown begins good and evil awaits. Hilarity ensues. Hilarity ensues. Yeah. 
So, with this one, I think this this may be most people's kind of this is a this is a top tier Potter. I think if people are ranking them ordinarily, which we will at some point. Yes, but the, the, from what I understand, this is a kind of top tier one. In fact, these two films tend to be, mind you. Although I don't, I don't get. I haven't seen too much love for Half Blood Prince. Order of the Phoenix seems to be where it's at for for all the love, but that's because this film does kick ass. I I really really enjoyed it this time around. Like I I, I always liked it before, but like there there are things that I really appreciated this time around, and kind of just in general, kind of like I think that everyone stepped up their game. Like of the main three, because obviously you got veteran actors doing awesome stuff, but like the main three have definitely they're they're on another level now. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. Are you going for one of those things where it sounds like I've edited you in? No, no, no. I was just waiting to jump Speak. in with who it was directed by and who it stars. Oh, okay, fine. Go but on then. You do you. Well, now it's that build-up. It's directed by David Yates. It's the first one that he directed, and then he's gone on to direct all the rest of them. Uh, starring Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grint, Emma Watson, Helena Bonham Carter, Robbie Coltrane, Warwick Davis, Ralph Fiennes, Michael Gambon, Brendan Gleeson, Richard Griffiths, Jason Isaacs, Gary Oldman, Alan Rickman, Fiona Shaw, Maggie Smith, Imelda Staunton, David Thewlis, and Emma Thompson. To name yeah. but a few. Yes, I know. And it's Rafe finds He gets annoyed when you call him Ralph. Well, if he ever sees me, I'll apologise. So, those things I said before, they're still true now. Is this top-tier Potter to you? Uh, I don't, it definitely feels, I think we've probably said this before, it feels like a marked change, I think. I kind of pair, like sort of group them. The first two, this, uh, I guess the way we've done the episodes, but then this one almost feels like, like the first four and the second four of the series almost feel like, set, like this. you could almost pick this up from this film and watch the next four and they almost, sorry, the next three and they almost feel quite of a similar theme like different to the original four, maybe it's because it's got the same director, I don't know Quite possibly but you would you would have Goblet of Fire as the, the sort of cut off point for, for, but is that Goblet of Fire changing things because Voldemort's back or is it this one where there's denial that he's back and then at the end, spoilers, confirmation that he is indeed back. Well, I mean, we know he's back because, well, we the audience, because we're with Harry. So we knew from the last time he was back, it's just people didn't believe him. So I guess this yeah. is just sort of seeing how people, you know, don't agree or, 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 or won't listen to, you know, the truth. Which does ring scarily true more so these days, doesn't it? Yeah. It, it's like that whole sort of deniability thing. I mean, f- the fact that Fudge isn't listening to reason when it comes to these things, despite people like Dumbledore saying, yeah, no, he, he's back. It It is, it's extra infuriating because I, I think there's, there's quite a bit of that still going around where people are just, you know, kind of fingers and ears, blah, 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 not listening without getting too political. It's like, it's like the, the, fruit and veg thing at the moment the shortages and everything and a number of factors but brexit is one of them but you wouldn't know that from the bbc's reporting and i don't mean that in this sort of tinfoil hat 
conspiracy type thing. That's pretty much what it boils down to. But again, there are people who are just like, la la, no, Brexit was still a good idea. Taking back our borders, we're better off. And you're just like, look around you. Devastation. It'd be super cool if you'd say something right now. I thought you were on a roll. I, well, I was, but like, but you could be on a roll too. Okay. Get on this. I mean, am I am I completely off base here? I'm 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 so sick of of like, and and this is slightly beside the point, but also not really. It's the whole thing when they talk about. I mean, alternative facts shouldn't be a a phrase that exists. You can't have alternative facts. Facts are facts, but it's like I am sick of entertaining bullshit conspiracy theories and and kind of weird things like that on the same level as what it is now. So, you know, when 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 people are talking about um oh I don't know, let's let's pick something that's not at all controversial, like vaccines. When people are talking about that, it's like the science points to it being fine and not giving you autism, because that was bull anyway. But you can't just then go, well, I see it differently and it's just as valid. No, no, that's not what science is. That's not what facts are. And I got the same amount of annoyance, which is why how you know the film is doing well. I got the same amount of annoyance with the dogged determination of Fudge to refuse that Vol Voldemort is back. Just like he just refuses unless unless he's actually in front of him. And that's a problem that a lot of people have. Like that whole thing, they don't believe the bad thing is happening until it happens to them. And I and I find that incredibly infuriating. And, you know, but that's what I mean. That's why I know it doing a good job. I'm done talking now. Okay. It'd be super cool if you'd say something. You know, it's I'm 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 done talking. So I what come on, dude, this is a conversation. I, I, to be honest, I don't. I, I didn't specifically draw the link. I mean, yeah, it's it's relatable now, but it was relatable when it was released in two thousand seven. I think his film was. Yeah, but what I mean is, I think it's more pertinent now. Uh, through no, I mean, I know design of its own, but I think I think that that whole thing. I I don't think I appreciated that side of thing. The fact that you know Fudge is dead against it. He's using the media as well. You know, obviously the the daily profits in his pocket when it comes to uh, the headlines and and anything. I mean, don't they have they have that headline in the Ministry of Magic where where someone's selling daily profit and it's like Dumbledore daft or dangerous. Hmm. And you know, it it reminds me of those weighted like Fox News polls where they said about Trump and they had all these things. Do you think you know people are just jealous of the president or kind of like scared to realize the truth or all these insane? arguments it it really reminded me of that and and you know clearly it hits on those same sort of political things but before it happened because these are old topics it's just it's been given new relevance i mm. guess in in recent times and i think it's weird then that you do have that institution and and showing the flaws of the whole thing and showing how susceptible the whole thing can be and then harry still wants to join them i mean you sent me that meme yeah, I've seen that before. About yeah, I can. You've got loads of wealth, and if we can make the world a better place, what you can do? I'm going to be a cop. Yeah, like he's still. It's just, and it's like the the institution itself, the way it's set up is is broken. You need to you need to fix all that. It's not just replacing the guy at the top. That doesn't change everything. 
And that's kind of the point. And then you get thugs like Umbridge, and she she is a fantastic villain. Played by Melda Staunton. Melda Staunton nails it. Like, mm. just immediately infuriating with a kind of simpering <laughs> laugh and the yeah well they even when i was playing the lego harry potter game there's uh a mission based on order of the phoenix where you have to go into the forbidden forest and everything and so you have to take her with you and her character does that <coughs> mm. it's even irritating in lego form i had to i had to kind of punch her a couple of times to make it stop for a little bit that doesn't not, sound condone, healthy, not condoning does any no, sort of vans against women, but you I, know, you, you do you. I condone Lego violence against Lego people. Virtual. Virtual Lego. Oh yeah, sorry. Okay, yes. Well, that's the whole point. Lego. No one dies. They just get blown into bits. I'm not making my case very well here. I've just nope. realised I sound like a psychopath. Yeah. But, but, she is damn irritating in that game. Hmm. Yeah, this one feels much more political than the other ones. I, I think this kind of, I guess, the end of the order of uh, the Goblet of Fire is when it kind of stops being all magical and, uh, you know, isn't magic wonderful? This is kind of like the other side of the coin. Yeah, I mean, we'd seen the Ministry of Magic before, but now we see their influence and obviously them getting involved in Hogwarts business then and, and Umbridge is the forefront of that. I, I I really I really really like this because it's got it's it's still got the school based sort of magical I I hesitate to call them shenanigans because they're darker than that but it's still got the magical kind of mystery stuff in Hogwarts but it's also got the sort of dark world and politics sort of impinging on that whole thing because I think you know Voldemort sort of opened the floodgates for how bad things can get at this point. So it's just, you know, it's it's interesting. And I think there are so many things that sort of unsettle you about the whole thing. Like Dumbledore, and, and I think this is a high point for Gambledore as well. The next one's good too, but I think he's brilliant in this, although he does do a very irritating thing. Can you hazard a guess as to what it is? No. Well, he's just needlessly aloof to Harry. He could clone in a little bit. I understand that he feels that keeping away from Harry is going to somehow protect him because him and Voldemort have like a mind link thing. And so Voldemort may be more tempted, but surely Voldemort knew that anyway. Like, I don't, the the fact that he won't talk to him and like, like, so you have that whole, you have that whole courtroom sequence because you get the Dementor attack uh, in little whinging in Surrey. And Dudley is now changed into his ultimate form, Big D. And they get attacked by Dementors. Harry does the Patronus charm. Then he gets an underage magic citation or some and then then has to go to the Ministry of Magic to plead his case. To be fully on trial. Yeah. I like the Dementor and, attack where you got the frost on the lights in the, uh, in the tunnel. That's cool. It is. It is. And I think the Dementors as well, because you see kind of a bit more of the details and everything, so they manage to sort of make them less ring wraithy. They're still, I mean, they're obviously still floating, floaty kind of dark cloak type things, but you know, they, they got that sort of like horrible sucking mouth type shit going on. And, you know, it, even, even the minutiae of, of the, the, the politics in the office, the, the, the red tape and the bureaucratics mm. of the whole thing, like, like the fact that they move the court case too earlier. So Dumbledore can't 
come and defend Harry, which he does because he's Dumbledore, so he, he knows kind of how to do it. By the way, greatest line delivery you get with uh, Gambledore when he's saying all his names. The way he pauses on Brian. Oh, the way he says Brian is amazing. Brian is awesome. Love it. But yeah, he defends Harry like using, you know, impeccable logic. And then after just like sods off and doesn't even acknowledge him. And, and, and like, I, I get the plot reason why, but it feels needlessly cruel. But, well, I mean, that's in the book. And this is the book where Harry spends most of his shouting in capitals at everything. Yeah, well, I mean... This is the Teenage Angst book. Yeah, I mean, he's got the trauma of Voldemort being back and killing Cedric in front of him. He's got the whole media smear campaign. Pretty good thing. You only glimpse it through the train window when someone's reading the Daily Prophet, but it says Potter and then changes to Plotter, mm. question mark. I like all you the know. newspaper stuff. There's sort of like quite a good montage of um, passing through different newspaper articles. That's quite cool. Yeah, well, I think... I think that, it using it as a a literal and figurative framing device is interesting because yeah you zoom into the photos and and so you can see how things are reported and yeah that that does that gives it more of a presence in the movie doesn't it it's not just something that people happen to read it it, it feels like it's holding the film together and then you get a, a great confrontation between Harry and Seamus Finnegan in the common room. Do you remember that bit? When you said it causes mum stupid. Yeah, which, but you know... Before but... that, it's got one of the worst things in the whole series, which the ordinary boys exist. Oh, yeah, I was wondering. I, I Yeah, I knew I recognised that song. Yeah, it was annoying it's, it's, when it came out in 2007. Boys will be boys, isn't it? Boys will be boys, yeah. Yeah. The ordinary boys. Because they're just, they're just the wizards, but they're just ordinary boys. Yeah. I know the fact that they could they could listen to anything and then listen to the ordinary boys is uh, disappointing. Speaking of which, do you know that Bruce Springsteen wrote a song for Harry Potter? Did he? Yes, for the, he read the book to his son and liked it so much he wrote a song um, called "I'll Stand by You Always," and then said you can use it in the first film, and he went, "Nah, you're right." What? Yeah. It's a, it's a half decent song. It doesn't really fit. Uh, well, a bit. It doesn't really fit with with the wizarding aesthetic, I guess. But it is far better than 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 the ordinary boys, or any of the sort of Ed Sheeran songs used at the end of the Hobbit. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh. Yeah. Mind you, though, if you had the Bruce Springsteen thing, slap some John Williams on that as well. You got yourself a masterpiece. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a nice song. It was used in the Blinded by the Light film, which came out a couple of years ago. So yeah, the ordinary boys. The ordinary boys start. Think I think this this whole thing that the the so the Ministry of Magic, Daily Prophet, all, all the design stuff works. Like the Ministry of Magic looks awesome. Like we see more of the things. I really like the sort of black bricks with the sort of light blue edging. Made of cardboard. Going on. I I know movie magic, eh? Mm, yeah, it's clever. Yeah, meant to evoke um, uh, the London Underground. Uh, well, yeah, it definitely, definitely feels like that, but otherworldly at the same time. And uh, yeah, it's it, it's very very cool. And I, I would have liked to see because David Yates as a director, he isn't bad, but he isn't good either. I think he's it's a just, safe pair of hands. 
Yeah, and I would have liked to have seen someone like Alfonso Cuaron, like or Del Toro, as they kept asking Guillermo Del Toro. They asked Jean-Pierre Genet for this one as well. I'd have loved that. But he won't work well, with Hollywood after Alien Resurrection. Resurrection, yeah. Matthew yeah, well, Vaughan as well. I'd like to yeah, see that. I would as well. I think he would have done a good job. But I feel that you've got all these brilliant sets, all these brilliant designs, and you, you're not necessarily making the most of it. Even mm. even the newspaper montage, it's it's fine. It's good, but it it's it's still a bit standard, though. I think by this point in the series, it's, it, it's less about the director. Yeah. I think really the only one that was able to bring his own thing to it was Quaron. Yeah. But then, you know, even the sort of fun credit sequences have gone in, in this. The sort of like the end credits aren't nearly as, mm. as imaginative as they once were. Like they're just pretty standard. Um, I mean, and look, and it's fine. It works. And as you said, safe pair of hands, which is undervalued in Hollywood because there are so many directors that will just, I mean, you know, make the worst decisions. Uh, about things. I mean, going along the straight and narrow isn't bad necessarily. It's just, it's not, it, you can't really get excited about it, can you? So, yeah, but yeah, we've got, I mean, a lot of my notes are about Umbridge because she's infuriating. She is, she is properly just awful in, in the, in the sweetest saccharine kind of gross way. All the pink stuff is, is great. The plates with the kittens and cats on, mm. I mean, I, one those, and one of those kittens is a narc. Is it? Well, it goes off and sort of grasses them up. Oh, that's the one that leaves the, the leaves kind of the thing. Plate, yeah. Oh, the narc kitten. Yeah, we don't like that cat. But you know, I, I mean, her office is a proper eyesore or a hand saw because Harry gets a sore hand in a fantastic scene. I mean, it's it's brutal in the book. But uh, but yeah, the the whole I must not tell lies thing being scratched into his hand. I mean, it doesn't look fun, does it? No. And I like the fact that that gets to a point where the Weasley twins, because you know, they're just, I mean, it's like a year seven <laughs> that has gone through the... Uh... Oh, that's Nigel. I think. Is that, that Nigel? I think that's Nigel. That's Yeah. Oh, the, you're, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a sweet kid. The one that's invented and... for the film. Yeah, 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 because I think they're going to have Colin Creevy, but then the actor got a bit too old, like old looking. So just like, let's get another like cute kid in. Yeah, no, he, he gets a lot of screen time, mm. this old Nige. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's that's the breaking point for the for the Weasley twins. I like their exit. Although I thought oh, the firework... Well, that's triumphant. The, the firework dragon is very Lord of the Ringsy. Yes, Definitely. Definitely. No, that that you could see how they would go down as school legends for something like that. Hmm. Although I imagine you'd probably still be at your desk trying to do your exam because you're a SWAT. Whereas the first sign of anything onto what I'd have been off. So yeah, we've got possibly I think this one does a lot better with the sort of time passing type thing. This does feel like taking its time with certain things and mm. and again because it, it has montages which you know shows us the passage of time as that famous song goes but it it kind of it it does feel you feel umbridge's influence growing because obviously you've got the the montage of filch 
knocking in the new what are they called? Uh, decrees. Yeah. Rules upon rules upon rules. I love that Filch becomes like a comedy like creep type character. Hmm. Like just just scuttling off telling Umbridge about stuff. Uh, yeah, that's another good montage with all the, yeah, with all those things. And the music in the background, that sort of like I guess waltzy music. Yeah, it's really good. I, I think the music really is, like is is really good in this in this film. It is. It is. I I made a note of that as well. The soundtrack, and it's it's not John Williams. It's no, it wasn't John Williams since the third one, I think. But this one almost feels. I, th- I think music in this is it's probably the highest it's been, or so the best it's been probably since the second one. Yeah, well, that that sort of yeah, quite playful soundtrack. Yeah, it really because out. again, it's it's like because it's because you know it's Umbridge, and so it's it's sweetly sour is is brilliant, and her talking to Snape. And him deadpanning. Clearly. It, yeah, is so good. So, so good. I find it quite jarring that, that Ron calls someone a tosspot. That's that's gotta be more of a I mean, obviously it's a very British insult. Uh, but uh but it definitely sort of hits a bit harder. I mean, it it's not obviously the word there, there are I'm sure you all at home can think of much much worse phrases and words but like tosspot is still kind of like pretty inflammatory if you call someone a spot or a tosser i mean how offended would you be it's not really weird you hear that much anymore. no i suppose not maybe it's a bit archaic but, he, so i'm gonna call more people he always gets the fruitier language does ronald although harry does call himself a toss in the next film was it this yes film? he does yeah yeah oh yeah it's the next film yeah so harry becomes the sort of teacher almost because obviously the defense against the dark arts teacher is uh, umbridge so they they do the whole dumbledore's so army he does thing. the defense against the defense against the dark arts teacher yeah the dad 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 <laughs> the d-a-d-a-d-a da, da, da. nice that would have made a much better <laughs> yeah that would so they call themselves dumbledore's army and they have a sign-up sheet which seems to me foolish yeah that's only going to get discovered yeah but uh but you know again th- another montage but of them learning well, basic a lot, a lot defensive did, uh, it was daniel radcliffe's decision to wear a cardigan to be like lupin to say that he's kind of modeled himself on his best teacher that yeah that's a cool detail it's a good job he sort of didn't gouge his eye out like a uh, mad eye moody yeah but then it wasn't Mad Eye Moody. We've had this discussion. It's Bottie Crouch Jr. Yeah, but he's still Mad Eye Moody teacher. seems along the same lines. But yeah, he was a good Bottie Crouch Jr. What you're saying is he's misunderstood. What I'm saying is he probably should have, if he'd put his efforts into teaching, he would have gone further. Yeah, because he knew his stuff. He did. He did. But yeah, the whole formation of the Dumbledore's army thing, the whole Harry becoming like a reluctant leader, and I like the fact that he he is addressing the problems with the whole hero thing. Mm. Yes, you know, he says he had 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 luck luck and had had help. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's cool. That that feels like I think you probably have to you probably have to at least admit that to a certain extent in order to get on board because if if he's just like well i've done it before i'll do it again type thing then it'd be harder but if if he's kind of acknowledging the fact that he did luck his way he should be dead a couple of times over by now and it and isn't because of just how 
fortune favoured him. I, and I think I think that's a, a really good kind of bit. And the actual all the spells, you know, doing explode armors and stupefy. Yeah, you get, you get a lot. Of, you see a lot of nice montages. You see people progressing and like the uh, the Tronuses for everybody, and everyone's sort of got their own little animal one. And even the Draco Malfoy trying to find and the rest of that group trying to uh, trying to find out what's going on. Yes, because it's in the room of requirement, which mm. only appears when you require need it. something. Yeah. Yeah, did you did you ever do the Pottermore uh, thing no. and find out your Patronus? Nope. Oh, uh, I did ages ago. Okay. My Patronus is a Saint Bernard. Nice. Yeah, I can see that. I'd much rather have a demon. You'd much rather... Well, that's because you love those dark materials. I do. Okay, what demon would you have? I don't know. Brilliant. Um, well, you don't get to choose, it just settles. No, but if you could choose, like you can't. Just, it, that's the point. Yeah, but it's a whole impossible question anyway. You can't. I'm going to have to break out the word tetchy again. No, hmm. you do, and I'm going to start calling you worse things. You just did. <laughs> it's not worse. <laughs> that's not the worst I can come up with. My man, Lucius Malfoy's back. <laughs> He's your man now, yeah. is he? Yeah. Interesting. The hero of the of the series. <laughs> yes, he is. And the Death Eaters have got a glow up, which is nice. Oh, dude, come f- I, I actually wanted to vomit on that one. It's you saying glow up, no. I don't accept it. They do look cool, though. Definitely been upgraded. The masks rock. Although, Lucius Malfoy doesn't really seem to get the whole point of the mask because he takes it off immediately. Yeah. I understand yeah, he just doesn't have care. the actors performance. But, I think but it shows it his contempt for them, I guess. That he's... Quite possibly. I oh. mean, with the platinum blonde hair, kind of shoulder length, who else is it going to be? Mm. But And his voice is pretty distinctive. But, you know, still, it's it's like the rest of them... No, they don't keep their masks on either. You get to see a wizard dueling for the first, like proper wizards, a granite wizards dueling. Yes, and it's nice that it goes to the Star Wars uh, school of good guys and bad guys are colour-coded. Yeah, well, it, it, that does help. It does actually help. Well, it's just that the nastier spells are kind of more vivid colours, really, aren't they? Tend to be on the sort of angrier spectrum. Mm. Although there is that whole bit, because I, I still think this is this is a really good outing for Gary Oldman's serious black. I think mm. you get some proper family stuff with him. I really like the scene where he's looking at the family tapestry with Harry and they're just looking at all the sort of burnt out portraits. Uh, and it's just the black family as as they are, the the sort of family tree and everything is is so weird. But cool. And I, I like the fact that he is he was the black sheep of mm. the black family. Yeah. You know. I also like creature. We didn't talk about creature, like he, no, no, no. yeah, just darkly muttering to himself. I also find it really, really creepy that they have embalmed house elves in mm. jars. Did you notice that as part yeah, of the yeah, set? Yeah, like, yeah. Got, it's, like, it's a nice design set. Yeah, I mean, and but that's the thing: the production design is is off the charts. This is there are so many brilliant little details, so many things that sell it as you know exactly what it should be, and and. Grim old place, it could be cosy, but Jesus, does it have a lot of stuff that you'd want to get rid of before you put it on the market, you know? Sirius gets to be a uh, a nice paternal figure for a bit. 
and then the inevitable happens. He walks through a curtain. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how it is in the book. Exactly the same. I think, but doesn't he... I don't know. It seems a little too gentle. Yeah, no, he just goes through a curtain and that's it. Yeah. But then it's Bellatrix that does the thing, but you don't get the flash of green. Uh, she doesn't... In, I don't, oh, in the book, I don't think she does... I'm pretty, sure she does, I'm, I'm pretty sure she does it in the movie, though. She does, I think so. I guess just to draw the point. Yeah. In, in the book, she just knocked him through the thing, uh, through, oh, through the okay. curtain. Yeah. Um, We've not talked about Luna, either. Luna no, well, I was I was going to get onto her. She is, yeah. I mean, I think probably the best adaptation of a character. Yeah, yeah. I think you know there are certain there are certain kind of ones like you know I I still think although Gambon definitely comes into his own I think Richard Harris was still the Dumbledore mm. at least from the early books that I imagined in my head but old spacey Luna Lovegood Looney Lovegood Ivana Lynch Ivana Lynch yeah rules and and she that could Luna could be a deeply irritating character yeah yes yeah she could be. You know, an absolute space case is just really, really annoying. And oh, she's doing quirky again. But manic pixie dream girl. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, and that could be very, very annoying. But there is something very sweet about her performance, and and I I like that she, you know, like she's just like like the whole Thestral kind of thing where where they can see these sort of. And I love the design of the Thestrals as well. The sort of emaciated skeletons. Yeah, yeah, with wings. And the sort of weird matter-of-fact way that she says that it was her mum dying, and that's why she can see them because you can only see them if you've if you've encountered death in some in some way. And the the sort of weird matter-of-fact kind of way, you know, she she straight up admits that she gets sad sometimes, but you know, and it's just I I don't know. There's something very disarming about her, mm. and and yeah, she could be so annoying handled handled without care. It could be the most irritating because you're just like oh. Luna Lovegood, oh no, but she's brilliant and uh, always losing her shoes. What else have I got here? Well, Harry gets to uh, gets to kiss Cho. Oh yeah, yeah. In the room of requirement, and it's a bit awkward. Mistletoe appears though, so you know, it's nice. I, but again, it's like that sequence is is like charmingly awkward. But I really, really love the little scene afterwards where they're in the common room and it's just Harry, Ron and Hermione. And Ron says, like, so how was it? And Harry says, wet. She was crying. And then Hermione says something about, like, she spends half her time crying now. Yeah. And, you know, she's dealing with all this stuff, like the guilt over Cedric, the sadness over his death, but then the guilt of liking Harry and all that stuff. And, you know, it you don't get to see much of Cho, really, in the kind of thing, but I think that does a good job of sort of like filling in the gaps. You kind of you get where she's going from, and 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 you get the whole thing, and then obviously you have the uh, Ron says no one person can feel that you know the head would explode, and she says he has the emotional range of a teaspoon, which apparently was an improv. Really? I thought it's in the book. I well, the, apparently the I see. I never, I never fully believe when they say things are at improv because half the time they're not but i don't know there's something very natural about it and the way they bust out laughing 
actually seems quite real rather than the sort of slightly stilted performances we've got from them. Maybe that's just me just being harsh, but like, I don't know. It, it I saw on a couple of sites, but then. Oh, no, the line was scripted because it's in the book. The laughter wasn't. Oh, okay. There you go. So, yes. So, yes. So then Busty out laughing. Yeah. So that did feel real. Yeah. 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 So, so that's cool. Harry having sort of the weird dreams. I like the visions of Vol- Voldemort he gets. I really like Dapper Voldemort. He's my favorite of those. And the train station, mm. the sort of black suit. He looks dope. But then he gets the dream of Mr. Weasley being attacked. And he's the snake in his dream. And then you get all that. And, you know, you, Harry's just had this nightmare slash premonition. And then they, they go to Dumbledore's office and Dumbledore's busy trying to sort some stuff out. And then Harry just breaks and finally says, look at me. And it's a really taken aback. It's it's the best look at me since the Dark Knight. <laughs> look at me. That was the Joker, not Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter is the Joker, confirmed. Yeah, indeed. So yeah, and then then you get a whole bit of they they kind of really zero in on the whole mind link between. Voldemort and Harry, and and Harry has to protect his mind. Uh, what's what's what do they call it? Legilimens. That's the mind reading thing, but they're protecting. Legilimensi. No, Oculomancy. Oculomancy. Yeah. So so you have that whole thing, and Snape pushing Potter to the limit, and Snape just being in his kind of innermost thoughts and everything. And uh, and, and messing Showing up around doing the kiss and going, how sweet. Well, and and in the in the uh, mirror of Erised mm. as well. Yeah, this is the first film to use the flashbacks and yeah. the little, like little archive footage, and then they all start doing it. Mm. But uh, but yeah, so I like that. And then we get a brilliant uh, thing a bit later on where Harry reverses it. He plays the reverse card in Uno. And um, and it goes into Snape's mind, and you see that actually Harry's dad was a yeah yeah, but but he got that feeling anyway. But I I think it's a, it's it's a weird revelation, isn't it? That actually it, it it isn't just you know Snape is a complicated character. We know this to be true, but like it's it just shows how complex people are. I think, but you know James Potter was undoubtedly a bully and tortured snivelous greasy i think they call him as a very mm. clever name although i do wish that harry had kind of used that occasionally to snape just to just to really dig at him i mean what what do you think about the the revelation that james was actually a bully it's not just snape well, i think it's good because I mean, the trouble the stuff like that i think works better on the page than the screen because you'd have had five and a half books or so of hero worship and then find out that actually he wasn't all that. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think yeah. it works well. Yeah. And and Snape should have ended up with Harry's mum. Well, maybe not. Umbridge gets dealt with. you got the whole Grawp thing. I'm I, d- I find that irritating. Yeah. I'm slightly disturbed by the fact that he looks a bit like me. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't say it like that. What you're meant to say, and what I will make you say for the final edit, is that's ridiculous. So, but I'll get you this to class say that's ridiculous. It's nice, nice. 
Yeah, he does look a little bit like me, crossed with... Um... The reason I said it like that was kind of, that was my revenge for you telling um, our friend's drunk grandma that I looked like <laughs> Harry Potter. Oh, that was that was brilliant, though. That was, yeah, we're coming down the stairs, I think. And then, yeah. and then I just went, yeah. And yeah, so I said, look, it's Harry Potter. And she peered at Rob and went, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd forgotten all about that. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. So that was that was your revenge. It's cool that you haven't held on to that for this many years. Yeah, but you have mentioned it every couple of years anyway, a couple of times a year oh, usually. Oh, okay. Well, I'd forgotten it until yeah. just now. So, you know, I guess I'm the author of your pain. <laughs> Not really. Um, this is, I think, possibly like in relation to Grop, this is probably the most CGI heavy or noticeably CGI one. Like the, the whole bit in the room of uh, snow globes is all CGI, and it does look like it. I know, because obviously they couldn't have realistically made a set full of loads of snow globes to keep smashing. Oh, no, can you imagine Can you imagine resetting all that? Yeah. It'd be a nightmare. But that's the thing, because it's weird to me that it's the, that they have a prophecy kind of thing. That, that doesn't feel like it belongs in the Potter world to me because the rest of it is so realistic no but no but you know what i mean and like based on the 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 rules that they have a prophecy seems pretty standard other like you know medieval stuff or star wars i guess you gotta have a prophecy but having a prophecy about voldemort and harry being linked Mm. and the whole highlander thing there can only be one um loads of them yeah but like it's it's odd to me. It, that feels kind of just like weirdly unimaginative compared to some of the rest of it. I quite liked the fact that Voldemort, in all his hubris and everything, you know, was just killing another family and it rebounded and he ended up, you know, marking the kid and, and, and imbuing some of his personality and, and, and powers and abilities to this kid accidentally. I quite liked that, that it was just like a freak accident. But if they were always prophesized for one to, you know, this town ain't big enough for the both of them. And and kind of whatever, I think that sort of takes away from the whole thing. I've always had that problem with prophecies. It, 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 it just feels overdone. And it's a problem I have with the book as well, because I believe the prophecy is in the book. Yeah. But, but I just think most of the time, it can work. But most of the time, it's very lazy storytelling. Oh, they're prophesized to do it, and it doesn't—it doesn't matter anyway because the thing ends up smashed. But like, couldn't Lucius just tell Voldemort what the thing said? Like, I don't get why they had to have. Why do they have to have it? Well, it's meant to be that the only person that can lift it is who's mentioned in it. Oh, okay. So but it then... needs to be well, the only person who can hear it, I guess. No. Who can lift it? Which is why they sort of made made him hand it over, or made him go there because he was the one who could take it off the shelf. Yeah, no, if, I, yeah, I got that. And if Voldemort did, he would have revealed himself to the world at that point, and he didn't necessarily want to. Would he have? Yeah, because you you know he probably would have got caught. What could have got caught coming in or out? Death Eaters didn't, and they took out the only guard who was. Mr. Weasley. I don't know. See what I mean? Anyway, no, very, very effects heavy. And obviously then, yes, we get the proper adult dueling, which is cool. 
always always a big fan of that. I, I like how quick it is. Hmm. And and I like the sort of the protection spell, the little shield that they have as well that just like sort of pings off the magic stuff. But then we have that, which is great. And then we have a proper smackdown, don't we? Between Voldy and Dumbly. That feels very Star Wars to me, that bit. Hmm. May, maybe because of the sort of colours, the magic. And you, I really like the sort of molten metal effect, though. I think I said that before, but I really like this sort of, it's sort of sparking against uh, the other thing and then just like, just just molten slag, magic slag, yeah. dropping to the ground. Uh, that's, that's a cool effect. That, I'm being correct with slag. Who's used the word magic beforehand? I don't know. Tickled me. Magic slag. <laughs> yeah, and I like the fact that you know I've I've always really liked the the uh, the whole thing of countering someone's you know. So obviously Voldemort's got all this all this kind of angry, hateful magic, all these all these damaging things, and Dumbledore manages to neutralize them, or you know, kind of just whatever. I like that you know Voldemort creates a, a fire whirlwind. And uh, and then Dumbledore traps him in a big old water bubble. <laughs> this is what happens. I, I know, I know. He's just describing it like that. I did like the glass into sand or butterflies or something, isn't there? I think. Yes. Uh, yeah. Why did I think it was butterflies as well? Is that from something else? I think it might be, and I can't remember what. Yeah. But the, I th- I thought butterflies at the, the at the at the same time. Is it is it Doctor Strange or something? I don't know, but there's something where a load of glass gets taken into the bus. Yeah, yeah, that's going to drive me nuts now. Um, but no, he he just it's just sand, I think that he does. But but then you got Harry being sort of possessed by the whole thing, and I like I like the revelation. Although Harry spends the entire next film still not getting this, but the thing that he has over Voldemort is friends and support and love. That Voldemort doesn't have. Voldemort's on his own. Well, he's got his death eaters, but he doesn't. He, they're not his friends, are they? He can't hang out with them. You know, Potter's kind of on the ground convulsing, and he's got the sort of nasty magic happening. I don't know how to describe it other than that he's possessed by Voldemort, and then eventually Harry feels sorry for him uh, because of the absence of all that, and uh, that weakens him enough. Goes out. I, I do actually hate that bit. See, I, <laughs> I just, uh, I, oh, I feel sorry for you. Grow up. Well, I think it's it's going past the sort of stupid binary of of just like, oh, I'm good and he's bad. Like clearly, he's he's done terrible things. I sound like Ollivander again, but, um, but great. But but great. But the fact is that the. What it boils down to is the fact that he is a lonely, twisted dude, you know, and and the fact that he doesn't have all that in his life is one of the reasons. Like, people could have steered him clear of that he wasn't, despite what some stupid snow globe says, he wasn't always destined to become the biggest dark wizard that the wizarding world has ever known. Like, that wasn't, you know, it's just he was clearly, you know, he was was given a shit hand by life in general, and then he turned to the dark side, you know? I I I I never mind that because I think I think it often comes down to 
to these, you know, you get even in the real world dictators and things like that. And it comes down to just being like scared children. They just got, you know, armies and stuff at their disposal. But in the end, it's actually a very like basic psychological quirk that they just haven't, you know, they didn't have good parents growing up or, or they, you know, whatever they, I mean, Christ, you got some people like incels and who have never, never had a romantic relationship and blaming the world. If their behavior wasn't so disgusting and they didn't do reprehensible things, I would, I, I would feel pity for them, but it's just that sort of, that sort of rejection and that whole thing, you know, that just like any other bigot or whatever, they've just, you know, maybe they've been rejected by one person. So then they, the entire gender is has rejected them and therefore they go off on their own kind of thing it's it's the same sort of thing i think a lot of these things you know people aren't as complicated as all that especially when it comes to doing bad and so voldemort just being the kid that nobody loved that makes sense to me it was my incredibly long-winded way of saying that i disagree rob you're a fool but (laughs) I, I know it's I know it's cheesy and and whatever, but I mean, don't you think? I think it's more the delivery of it. I think. Okay, so not necessarily the concept. Pro- I, yeah, probably. Not. I do I do get a bit sick of love and friendship will always win, but then I don't know. They're at least they're palpable, real things in the world. At least at least that's a message you can actually take away from movies and books and whatever, and 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 do something with. You you should you should revel in in the people in your life that you love and like, you, you know, they, they it, it's, that's a brilliant thing making connections with people, but you know, so, and I, and I think a genuine lack of that can turn people cruel because then it, it, it sort of takes over and they, they sort of, they're like the world turned its back on me. So I'm going to turn my back on the world or I'm going to try and shape it into something that, you know, so everyone can be as miserable as I am. This isn't my manifesto, by the way. I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying that this is like a hypothetical situation. But I just, I don't know. I've been, I've been thinking about that crap a lot recently. Just, you know, how there's never just a dichotomy. You know, it's never just one or two things. There are always, always levels to all this stuff, and and everything's way more complicated than people pretend it is. You know. Sorry, things are more complicated or less complicated. More complicated. Hmm. But people think about things in sort of binary ways because that's the way they can process it. Yeah. Um, you know, I and I, I think that, well, like I said earlier with the Brexit thing, not not everyone who voted for Brexit was doing it because they're stupid or they were short-sighted or they're racist or whatever. But, you know, it's more complicated than that. But And then again, the sort of, quote-unquote, Ramona's, that was such a brilliant little thing about, you know, talking about how things have gone. But it's just we're, we're so willing to paint the other side as just that's that's them. They're just simply bad. Yeah, but I mean, that's what a lot of Romanians did was sort of rather than try and understand what the issues were, it was just shout, you know, you're a racist, you're this, you're that. Yeah. And, and, and again, the world has turned its back on me. I'm going to turn my back on the world. I'm going to do whatever I want. Um, it, people get like that. People get to a certain thing where they just they can't take it anymore, and they're just like, sod it. 
Do you remember when this is a podcast about Harry Potter? Which itself is a fairly controversy-free topic these days. Yeah, I know. But but that's the thing. That shows the actual kind of, like, the level of conversation that the Potter things bring. Because it does touch upon these things. It does actually, you know, it's not a massive leap to say, like, with the Ministry of Magic pretending bad stuff isn't happening. You know, it, it's not it's not a huge leap to relate it to modern-day politics. And 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 the same with, you know, the rest of it. Anyway, point being is that Order of Phoenix is good. It just needed a freeze frame at the end of Harry on his broom. Smiling. On a stretched phase. Should we move on yeah. to Half-Blood Prince? We may as well, <laughs> since it's the next one. Is this the one, actually, is that the one where it ends with everything's going to be different now? Or was that Goblet of Fire? Uh... I can't remember. One of the men's with Hermione. Remind, remind me of the context of it. Uh, it's the end of the film, and they're looking. They're sat in the window, sort of looking out. To, That's uh, the end of this one. Is it? They don't say everything's going to be different now. It's like a. It's like a, an Empire Strikes Back type ending. No, no. There's one where where Hermione says it's all going to be different now, and Harry puts his hand on her shoulder and goes, "Yes." Oh. That might be Goblet of Fire then. Because mm. I assume you've watched this recently, the New Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. This, yeah. So if you, oh. it, it must be Goblet of Fire then. Yeah. Yeah, I watched Order of the Phoenix and then Delivery of the Phoenix. Because, <laughs> okay. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, okay. I understand. Yeah, it's like, like a. Okay. Give us all the things. Well, because you said Delivery, for some reason I went to sort of like, um, as in birth. Okay. And then I had to work, what do you mean, birth of the Phoenix? Oh, order. Right, okay. Order. Yeah. Phoenix. It was a complicated joke, but I'm glad you caught up to me. Yeah. Sorry, are we on the same page now? Yes. Harry cool. Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, directed by David Yates again. Starring Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Quint, Emma Watson, Jim Broadbent, Helena Bonham Carter, Robbie Coltrane, Warwick Davis, Michael Gambon, Alan Rickman, Maggie Smith, Timothy Spall, David Thewlis, Julie Walters, and Helen McCrory. Mmm... The plot from the inside of the slip case. Hooray, it's Thank you. Media? Media? Media. Okay, say it properly. <laughs> it properly. That marbles in your mouth? It properly. Oh, that's, that's, that's a great joke, Rob. That's definitely making the final cut. It will. Harry and Dumbledore work together to find the key to unlock Dumbledore, uh, Voldemort's defences as he tightens his grip on the wizarding and muggle worlds. Meanwhile, Hogwarts students are under attack from raging teenage hormones. Love is in the air, but tragedy lies ahead, and Hogwarts may never be the same. It's all going to be different now. Yes. The logo of this is very dark to begin with. It's getting darker and darker and darker. Mm. And it's got the wobbly Millennium Bridge. Yes. I mean, I Which really happened. I don't think it happened quite that badly. But that's, well, that's people the, died. <laughs> yeah, no, that didn't happen. But th- that's the bridge they opened and had to shut because it blew too much in the wind and, and really wobbled. Yeah, so that must have. That isn't just a coincidence, is it? That it it had because it was delayed as well. So it didn't. It didn't yeah, open, it wasn't it, delayed this by this long because by that point you could walk on it. But it was. I think yeah. it opened in two thousand. They had to close well, yeah. it for like half a year to. Yeah, um, when it when it opened, it. it was just not fit for purpose. And it's yeah. just quite a famous bridge in London now. Because I think there's a line in a in in the book about the, uh, about the Muggle Bridge being attacked. So I think I guess it's to show that the threat is no longer just to the Wizarding world; it's to the non-Wizarding world as well. 
Mm. But if we're talking about anachronisms and things like that, because this these are technically set in the nineties. Yeah, I know, but in, in so some you have ways. the Millennium Bridge, which obviously wasn't there. Yeah, you have uh, Arthur Weasley struggling with a, an oyster card, which again wasn't. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I think the books were only set in the nineties when people worked out they were set in the nineties. I don't. It's never like really expressly said it's the nineties. No. And I say this as a big Marvel fan, but people get too hung up on timelines. Yeah, as well. I don't. I don't think it adds too much to the story. It, it's nice to know where things are in context with each other, but it's it doesn't. I mean, I think I think there's a I think there's a, like, a PlayStation's mentioned in one of them, but that could be any of the PlayStation's. It doesn't have to be you know the first one or anything. So I, I think it's they're fairly timeless in terms of stories. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just it's just a, a weird quirk. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to kind of uh, come down on the film for that. Like, there's a, I can't remember what it was. It was, it was like a Twitter discussion the other day about like um, obvious, uh, obvious sort of uh, geographical mistakes in films, and the and there are loads of suggestions, and a lot of them I think boil down to you know the area something's filmed. So, mm. like, I mean, there's the, the one in Thor: The Dark World where he sort of gets a tube from. I don't know one end of London to another, and it's like there's no line that goes that way, or it takes. It, if he actually did it, it would take an hour or so, or the other way around. It would end, you wouldn't get a tube. That I, there's some like weird thing about it. Yeah, but um, imagine if they'd shown that in the film. Imagine if they showed him getting on the tube at one station, then getting off, checking the stupid map, getting back on. Like it, it. That's not the point of the film. The film isn't called. Thor takes the train. Yeah. Is it? No, that might be more entertaining than Thor: The Dark World. Oh snap! But. That was that comes later. That's Infinity War. That's, um, that's odd. Sorry, you have the, you have the absolute nerve to to, <laughs> to sandbag some of my jokes, and you come at me with that weak sauce. I thought it was good. It, that's the problem. Hmm. Um, the, a lot of the replies were, "Oh, I can't believe that this is in this." Like you know, it's meant to be Berlin, but it, but but it's clearly filmed in Paris or something. But I think that that that's almost that you know the area. Like I think we said in uh, watching the Batman that I knew a lot of the places were Liverpool, not Gotham. But that's yeah. only because I know the buildings. Whereas you watching it, you may not have spotted yeah. it because you don't know. Whereas, whereas like, um, we were watching Doctor Who, and yes, we said yeah, about yeah, 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 yeah. And okay. I was going to say his, his Dark Material is where they're saying it's uh, it's Oxford, but I know it's an area of Cardiff. Whereas if yeah. you don't know either Oxford or Cardiff, it it doesn't matter because it's the film. So I don't think it's an obvious and anachronistic mistake because it just it's just no, because I you... know. no what i mean is it it's it it deserves just as a slight interesting thing in the sort of goofs bit of the imdb page that's that's where it should lie like if you know obviously mm. if you if you kind of thought about it this way then these didn't exist and whatever but you know we're also dealing with magic and wizards and everything there's plenty of things that don't exist and the fact that they're probably like about 45 still pretend to be teenagers you're obsessed with forty-year-olds playing teenagers. Am I? Yeah, he said that in the last one as well. I think again, it was in reference to them sort of leaving so long before the films. Yeah, but uh, but yeah. So this one, I think when I when I did a potathon for my website, which I never update, like ages and ages and ages ago, I I think I was struck by the revelation that Half Blood Prince was my new favourite. I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it because I'd kind of almost written it off as kind of, oh, it's the one you've got to get through to get to the finale. 
But yeah, watch, watching it again for this, I really enjoy it, and it's probably one I've enjoyed the most so far, actually. I think this one has a good balance of all all the things. There's a lot of dark stuff, and then there's a lot of levity as well. Yeah, and you've got you've got the sort of the the kind of central mystery of a, a mysterious potions book and who the half blood prince is, mm. and you've got Draco like sneaking about and and things like that. So that's all cool. I think I think that. Those things like Draco's up to no good. I mean, it's kind of almost like a greatest hits thing because we've had that in previous films. We had Chamber of Secrets with the Riddle Diary. I think it probably was Chamber of Secrets as well when Draco was acting all shady, mm. and he thought that he was the the heir of Slytherin, and even had so 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 we we've, we've got that sort of thing. But it also has the darkness. It has just some really interesting performances. I think Tom Felton deserves a special shout out in this one i think he does brilliantly yeah 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 he gets quite a lot to do in this one whether yeah. it's stamping on harry's face or one of the most there. brutal things it is yeah yeah just the, the anger yeah. which he does it yeah and 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 the the nasty the nasty crunch mm. <laughs> yeah incredibly brutal and then their bathroom fight as well later on in the movie where uh, where he hits him with the sectum centra. Sectum centra, yeah, which yeah, sort of cuts him in half. Well, not cuts him in half, but sort of. <laughs> yeah, it cuts him in half. Were you watching the unrated car? I thought we only agreed theatrical. <laughs> but it, no, it, it seems like it's like a, a shrapnel type spell that just lacerates you. Mm. So yeah, it, it it is interesting. I think Horace Slughorn. I found him. I obviously when you got Jim Broadbent in anything, things are elevated because Broadbent's awesome. But because I, I never really liked Slughorn in the books as much, I, think... I don't know. I've known a few people like I, I quite I, I, I quite like that character. I, th- I think it's quite. Uh, it's also interesting to. I guess this is the first time you've met a Slytherin who isn't kind of cartoonishly evil. Mm. I quite but like his... the idea of the slug uh, the slug club as well. Yeah, and his his weird obsession with collecting people. Yes, I quite like that. Yeah, I do as well. And but I think Broadbent, maybe he's 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 kind of he, maybe it's just because he's lovable. But I I like him a lot more in the film than I do in the book. I think that there are some very very interesting twists and turns in this. I think the fact that you do have all the dark adult wizarding world stuff as well as the school mystery, I think it just gets the balance right. Just- well, and and there's a lot of fun bits like um, the Weasley Wizard Weezes shop. Which is yes. like this really bright orange shop in the middle of all the dark and gloom of Diagon Alley. <laughs> but but isn't that a perfect metaphor for the movie itself? Like just just the the, the, the those little bits of yeah. brightness yeah, that yeah, they yeah, have. Yeah. You know, I think and... I think it's a really uh, sort of well themed movie as well. Possibly more. like like there's so many people in this which who basically have a job to do that they don't want to do. Expand. Well, Draco, you know, doesn't want to do the task he's been given by Voldemort. Yes. Snape doesn't want to do the task he's been given by Dumbledore and Voldemort. True. Yeah, you know, Harry doesn't want to go and find out the memory from Slughorn. Um, mm. Slughorn doesn't want to give him the memory, he doesn't want to think about it. Like they've all, there's all elements of people just doing things they don't want to. Dumbledore doesn't want to drink the potion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, it makes Harry promise to actually keep force-feeding him the potion, mm. even though it's clearly horrible. Yeah, sort of bringing up bad, bad things. Yeah, so... Yeah, no, you're right. I think that's that's a yeah, people being forced into roles that they don't want. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's a good analysis. 
there's a lot of sort of romance in this. I do think one of the fairly, I think one of the worst things about this film is that they recast Lavender Brown, who'd been black in every film she'd been in so far as white. I don't know that. I think even at the time people were saying that's not really okay. But... No, no. I mean, fair enough. I think. I mean, there must have been, yeah, there must have been a a black actor who could do that sort of ridiculously simpering, annoying performance. But uh, yeah, but I, I, th- I think I think when you'd had a named character in it, in but then they recast a whole bunch of them, like throughout the yeah, yeah. But I I think when you ha- it's it's not good optics for damn sure. No. Like when when you take someone who is established black and then just have a. a a white as the driven snow act to come in and, and do the thing. Yeah, it's it doesn't look good on paper, does it? No, no. And and I would agree with that. I think it's a good performance, but uh, but I, I think that the them doing that is is uh, yeah, a little unsavoury. Um, Dumbledore acts as Harry's wingman to a girl in the cafe. Well, sort of, but he's like the anti-wingman. Man married to uh, uncle wingman. The what? <laughs> married to uncle wingman. Brilliant. <laughs> Just, dude, come on, man! You got to stop distracting me with these jokes that I have to, I have to sort of replay over. It's like Minority Report. I'm just, I'm playing these over. Like, where's the, where's the, oh, auntie, auntie, ad, like, uncle, yeah. And then, and then I like Tom Cruise. I throw it away. I just, I do sweeping motions, and it, it goes off the board. And also, Dumbledore clearly ships Harry and Hermione, as yeah, most sensible does. people do. That's. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've I've always thought that Harry and Hermione should should have uh, got together. It it's hard to see why Hermione likes Ron. Uh, yeah. In that way, like why she's. I mean, maybe she just she likes him being a bit of a, an idiot. She's a bit of a fixer upper. Well, she's trying to fix him up. Yeah, that maybe that's the thing. Maybe he's a project to her. But but I've often I've often thought that Harry and Hermione complemented each other better. Or Harry and Luna. Yeah. Doesn't it end up with Neville? In the film, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. They definitely obviously had that because they wanted to establish the whole Ron and Hermione thing and the fact that people would ask when Ron's off with Lavender and being all lovey-dovey and everything like that, Harry just being a friend and comforting her and everything like that, people would have ask questions because they always do and it's the same with any sort of male female friends it's just like oh they definitely want a bone and it's like it's not it doesn't always come down to that it's ridiculous this class is ridiculous i like the scene where um hermione has you know twigged that harry's got eyes for Ginny, and Ginny clearly likes him back but then Ginny's seeing dean thomas and and she asks harry what it's like to see Ginny with Dean. And uh, I, I think that's just a really nice, sweet moment. Mm. I, I really feel for Hermione in that moment because, like, she's got everything else under control, you know, all, all her kind of studies and everything, but she likes that idiot Weasley and she can't help it. And he's he's necking with, with Lavender. They say snog an awful lot as well. Like, that, again, that's sort of a bit of an antiquated term. I still hear it occasionally, but it's not... Snog seems like something, you know, your parents would say to you, like, oh, did you snog her? 
I don't think they would. I think it's a, did you kiss? Maybe. I don't know. I, I, is, is Snog old-fashioned to you? Um, I, I think it's a bit playgroundy. So maybe that's what you mean. It, it does feel a bit childish. But I don't know. It, it feels like, but old school childish. I don't know. I, whatever. But they, they, they do use it a lot. I think it's kind of like a, a sort of just a phrase that they pepper in. To make maybe sure maybe it's quite a, maybe it's quite a British term. Perhaps is a well, yeah, well, it absolutely is. Yeah, exactly. That's that's why it's there. But you know, I like with this that sort of Harry's quite obsessed with the idea that Draco is uh, is up to no good, and even Ron and Hermione think he's a bit over obsessed and don't agree with him. Yeah, and uh, and Draco looks like uh, Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance in the Black Parade period of My Chemical Romance. Okay. Um, okay, I, I found fine. this is the most sort of school, schooly one since the second film. So, like, you get well, more it, lessons. You, 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 it's almost like the after school. There's a lot of stuff going. Even though the world feels much bigger now, it, this one feels more. I think is more emphasis on the actual school. Yeah, well, it's like as I said, it's like a, a director's cut of Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, in all ways. No, it's it's cool. I, as I said, I, I, I Order the Phoenix in this one. I, I think it's a great one to kind of punch i think they're they're both really really good but i think this one as i said gets the balance just right yeah no i like this one um and and there there are plenty of things that i really really like and and some you know like gambon really really does the dumbledore thing properly this time around which is a shame because this is the one he dies in but, you know, obviously you had to get it right before you kill off the character, because otherwise it's not going to mean anything. In the previous one, you get a tiny bit of angry Gambledore. Do you remember the, the bit I'm talking about? When um, Umbridge is giving Trelawney her march Oh, orders. yeah, 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 yeah. And he shouts, don't you, have, don't you have lessons to go to or work to? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. And it was very much in the same vein as, you know, don't you put your name in the dollar fire? <laughs> don't you have work to do? <laughs> but no, he's he's softened a lot more and he's... he's don't make know, me drink it! <laughs> Did you put that cup in the pensive? <laughs> um, it's not the pensive. The pensive is a thing for the memories. Isn't it a pensive? I thought it was a crystal pensive in the in the cave. No, no. The pensive is what he has. What, he has what a, is it then? You uh, Just a load of water in a cave. Brilliant. Weird fact about this is that the butterbeer they're drinking is J2O, apparently. That is a weird fact. Yeah. Why? Uh, well, I guess because butterbeer isn't a real thing. It is a real thing. Oh, yes, yeah, so if you go to the studios. Yeah. Sorry, what was that? If you, you go you, to the studios, you can have it. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was, but it, it just evolved into. <laughs> is Tony Radcliffe's least favourite uh, performance? And he said, Apparently. sort of, since that he was struggling with alcohol at the time. Yeah. I mean, you can see why. Not that, not him, not being a fan of his performance. I think he's, I think he's pretty good in this. Yeah, I, I think this is the one. Well, this is the one we kind of axed drunk on um, the luck potion, Felix Felicis. Yeah, and, and him bit, doing uh, the pincers for the spiders. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's cool. He actually properly does that sort of, and it's not awkward. It's actually funny. Obviously, you know, Rupert Grint is the king of mugging, and him 
on the with the love potion and everything. I like when he hugs Broadbent as well. He says, hello, darling. Can I buy you a drink? <laughs> yeah, I, I genuinely didn't know about uh, Daniel Radcliffe's battle with the bottle. But uh, by all accounts, he's all sober now. But apparently it was... And you've got to imagine it's tough. When yeah, when yeah, you yeah. are you are the lead of of a franchise this big... Well, also, you, I mean, I think you have to appreciate that none of them, none of the core cast went off the rails. No. In, in the way that child actors used to. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, that's the thing. Alcohol problems is 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 tame compared to some of the other child actor stuff. Hmm. So, you know, but, I, you know, it, it yeah, it's got to be tough when it's kind of treated half like incredibly famous and half like a joke. Like, oh, you're Harry Potter, are you? You know, that, yeah, it's got to be rough. Yeah, I still think it's 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 one of his best performances as Potter, for sure. I think he's being too critical of himself. I'll tell him that next time I see him. Yeah. Uh, did I tell you I have the same size hands as Rupert Grint? Uh, yeah, because you sort of broke into his house or something. Yeah, that's right. No, the studios. Hmm. They got the uh, they they got the the hand imprints in in the metal uh, that you can put your hands in. And Emma Watson has very tiny, slight hands, as you'd expect. And uh, but Rupert Grint has got big old beef burger palms like me, and the stubby fingers. It's a curse. I, I'd I'd never be a pianist. I just I just I forgot to tell you that last time. So you know, and it's important for you to know about me that I've got that sort of spiritual link. He's my hand twin. Or oh, you don't know. You just got the same size hands. You could be you might have completely different looking hands mm, we probably do this is gold we've been talking for over an hour haven't we you've uh, you've lost it this is as i said strong showing for tom felton obviously rickman gets more to do there's no uh rafe in this is there no what is that is there i don't think so I mean, he's there in flashback, and it's his nephew actually plays young, one of the younger Voldemort. Yeah, who does really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, that kid is creepy. Uh, and then the yeah, you got the kid, and then the the teen one with with uh, talking to Slughorn about Horcruxes. Hmm. And yeah, the the whole I've always see that was that was why I felt it didn't need the prophecy thing in the previous one because it had the Horcruxes. Horcruxes is a cool thing, and it makes sense for the character as well that he would. You know, his soul is split because of murdering people and whatever. Mm. I don't know. I don't know whether he'd murdered people before, so therefore he could do it, or if you had to go out and murder people specifically to count for a Horcrux. I don't know. I don't know that whole thing. But I like that idea a lot more than just some prophecy. I mean, maybe the whole story wasn't planned from the very beginning in every detail, and they were just sort of throwing things up to see what stuck. So maybe I don't know. Quite possibly. I mean, and the thing is as well, like it says that one of uh, J.K. Rowling's famous annotations on the script was that they had a bit where Dumbledore talks about a past lady love of his and she just wrote, he's gay on the script. Yeah, but that was after the books had come out. And I think really she should have put it in the book. Yeah. No, no, I think I think she put it while the film was being made. Well, this before yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. I know, and then it, there's all the headlines about how, yeah. But I think if she had wanted to make a proper thing of it, she would have put it in the book. 
yeah, I can't remember what they they call it. Um, queer baiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's it. When, when you want the plaudits for being diverse and saying, "Look, I've got a prominent character who's gay," but then not really doing anything, just saying that yeah. they're gay, but there's nothing in this text that supports that. Yes, I believe that's known as queer baiting. It's odd to me that this one has the goofy stuff, like you said, with the luck star- the luck potion and Ron being with the love potion, which is an incredibly horrible thing to do. The love potion thing. That's, but he says that's... it, though. He says it's, you know, it's stronger than any of the, you know, it's almost more deadly than any of the other potions. Yeah. So what is that girl thinking? I don't think she ever properly asked Harry out. Why didn't she try her luck that way? Why didn't she feel she had to poison some chocolates? I do like that bit. Well, she didn't poison them. And it, I think it's meant to be because they've been there so long, it's got worse, which is why it was... Yeah, I, I, I do like the um, the bit about she's only interested in you because she because you're the, she thinks you're the chosen one. Is like, but I am the chosen one. I am the chosen one. In fact, there are some there are some good little like friend bits that come through. That uh, yeah. one is one of them where she where she kind of hits him on the head with the scroll. Yeah, and whatever. Um, and I also like them rushing for the book. Him and Ron rushing for the the yeah, the, the, the one that's that not, ends up yeah not damaged. Yeah. I, I like yeah. the bit with the, with the with the will you just stop eating? Yes, Ron Ron does like going sort of ears deep into whatever he's eating, uh, and and that's a lot of jelly. Sausages is before, isn't it? And that's that's pretty gross. No, they they do have they have nice little touches like that. Yeah, I uh, say this is I think this is the, this has got the best balance of all of all the films. It's got the best balance of light and dark. Yes, yes, it does. So yeah, I don't have too much else to say on on Half Blood Prince. I mean, you got the famous Snape killing Dumbledore thing. I mean, that was that was a spoiler before internet memes were properly a thing. Yeah, that you know, I always thought it was an incredibly cruel thing to spoil someone's enjoyment. But you know, but uh, oh yeah, so spoilers: Snape kills Dumbledore. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I think Tom Felton in the, in that scene, the being incredibly conflicted and not being able to do the thing, being scared, mm. being everything I'd like the face. And Snape not wanting to do it, and the please, yeah. which is kind of amb- ambiguous because it's was it please do it or please don't do it or yeah, yeah. But there is there are some just fantastic performances like like the like the bit where uh, Harry and Dumbledore go to the cave thing to get the Horcrux. And he's and he's feeding him the potion and everything. Like Dumbledore is helpless hmm. with with all the with all the kind of like potion and everything. I mean, it, it's and it's such a good Gambon performance. You feel for him, you really do, and and you can see the impossible situation that Harry's in. There's a good Snape delivery of you just know. I don't know yeah, what that's for, but I've written it down, so clearly I enjoyed it at the time. Oh, it's because it's because uh, Katie Bell gets cursed. Oh, yes, the, yeah, that's quite thing. a dark scene. What well, he knows, it's it, no, it really it's is. Right, it's like but... a, it's it's like a, a demonic possession. Yeah, she gets she gets hoisted up in the air and in the crucifix position and everything. It's yeah, it's mm. dark as hell. And then Harry suspects Draco because he saw him in the three broomsticks, kind of making himself scarce, and then giving that to give to. Katie Bell to give to Dumbledore, and uh, and yeah, and so so when that happens, uh, yeah, Harry says that it it it, it isn't it's, it's Draco, 
and he said that must be one of your amazing abilities you know the, the being the chosen one you just know but then you know rickman it really is a hell of a performance from him it just it just he's he's consistently brilliant mm. and it while they do play him up a little bit as more of a, a sort of comic foil in this one like it, you get um the weird guy who's hitting on Hermione all the time. Cormac um, McClendon. Yes, and he pukes on Snape. Yes. And, you know, so yeah. that's that's the kind of thing and, and whatever. But, uh, but yeah, no, he's he's utterly fantastic. It, it is one of his best performances. And, and that's saying something. Yeah, I don't have anything else to say on Humble Prince. I really like it. Yeah, no, I really like it. I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah. So I think I think this is... We just got the parts one and two left after this, Indeed. and then obviously Fantastic Beasts, which I think we'll do as one episode. I think so. I think I think trilogy at most in these episodes. Yeah, yeah, people, yeah. can you believe people get bored of us talking? Yes, I have um, the yeah, statistics to show it. <laughs> yeah, the drop-off point. You know, two minutes in. Yeah. So yeah, no. This is this is a this is a, a brilliant little double bill. All good stuff. But things are different now. Yes. Sick. That's it for this week. Thank you very much for your time and thank you for listening. We'd love to have your feedback. Please email podcast at thepopcornbucket.com. You can find us on Instagram at popcornbucketpod or over on Twitter at popcornbucketpd. Thank you so much to Lawrence Earn of Longcat Media for the theme music. If you're able to, it'd be great if you can rate the episode wherever you listen to your podcast and subscribe and share. Many thanks. Take care and see you next episode. What he said. <laughs>